Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of the Ambassadors Forum radio show here on True Talk 800 AM KPDQ. I'm Dr. Steve Van Horn, a former pastor, currently a missionary, and a member of the Ambassadors Forum apologetics team. Our mission here is to equip you to answer life's hard questions from a biblical worldview perspective. Now I'm filling in this week for your regular host, Rory Swart. You may be wondering why. Well, here's the reason. He's the one that's being interviewed this week. Hi, Roy. Welcome to the show. Hi, Steve. It's great to be here <laughs> on the other side of the mic. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Uh, it feel a little bit different? Yes. <laughs> I'm a little more nervous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can understand. I won't make it too hard on you. Let's begin by talking about this big subject of apologetics. Now, I'm kind of dating myself a little bit here. When I was in seminary studying for my Master of Divinity degree, and that was about 40 years ago, there were only a few well-known apologists. Uh, Norman Geisler was one. He's now home with the Lord. And, of course, Josh McDowell, who was a speaker at our conference a couple of weeks ago, and, and he's just turned 81. But yet today there are scores, if not hundreds, who are doing apologetics. So for those out there listening who maybe don't have a clear understanding of what apologetics is, let's talk about that a little bit. What exactly is apologetics? Hmm, that's a good question, a good place to start. Well, Steve, have you ever been accused of doing something bad? Have you ever had to defend the fact that you were innocent, that you didn't do that bad thing that somebody said you did? Yeah, there's been plenty of times that we feel put on the spot. And put on the spot, yeah. And, and I have. Mine was more of kind of a legal situation. And I had to be prepared with facts and information and logic to argue my case. And probably a lot of people can relate to that situation. Now, have you ever been accused of doing something good? <laughs> did you ever have to prove that you actually did do it? Uh, you need to have the same facts and information and logic as in the first situation. That is what apologetics is. So there are lots of examples in the Bible of good people being falsely accused. Even just in the New Testament, accused of things like leading people away from God or breaking the rules of the government, or causing insurrection to unjustly overthrow the government. But Christians are also taught about a time when we will be accused of doing something good. People will watch our life, and it will be obvious to them that we have a hope, a faith in God based on reality, a confidence that we know the truth. And at that time, those people will ask us, and they'll say, what's the hope that you have? Where did it come from? What is it based on? Why do you have it? And at that moment, we will either give a weak defense or a strong defense of our faith, of our hope. And I'll use my own life as an example. When I got saved, when I first became a Christian, it was because of a very powerful personal experience that I had. And the next day, someone asked me about the hope that they saw that I had. It was obvious. They were like, wow, you are a changed person. Tell me about the hope. And I told them the story. I told them the story of my conversion. And it was a good story. And it was a true story. But it was a story based on emotion and experience. 
But from that first day, I have challenged my faith with piercing questions and relentless investigation because anything worth believing is able to stand up to any question or any doubt and become stronger through examination. So even though that first time someone said, I want to know about this hope that I see in you, and I told them about my emotional experience, my personal experience, but since then I have read the Bible and thought about things, thought deeply, and said, I want to have a strong defense that can apply not only my personal experience and my emotion, but logic and reason and facts to defend the hope that I have. There's something you said there that i just like to circle back to. You said accused of doing something good, and then you talked about people asking you about the change in your life. How important is it that people see a change in your life? Yeah, that's a great question, Steve. The Bible promises that there will be fruit in the life of a true believer. If you are really saved, if you are a Christian and you've accepted Christ, you've obeyed God, you've submitted to him as Lord of your life, there will be a change, a, a radical change. And it may not be you know, big fireworks immediately the next day, but over time, God will work in your life something that could not have been possible without his supernatural intervention. In fact, he says, if you want to know a real Christian, judge them by their fruit. Not by what they say, because people can say all kinds of things. Judge them by what they do. If we're not hiding our light under a bushel, people will see that light and they'll be drawn to it. And they'll say, I want to know what's behind this. And they'll ask. It's important that our lifestyle be a biblical lifestyle. Never return evil for evil or insult for insult. And so there are certain lifestyle changes that people should see if we're filled with the Spirit and walking in the Spirit, and that's what would cause them to want to ask about the hope that's within us. So exactly. that's good. Yeah. So let's move on to something else. Now, you're a member of Southwest Hills Baptist Church in Beaverton, and I know the church is home of the Ambassadors Forum Apologetics Ministry, so evidently the, the church has a strong belief that apologetics should be an important part of the church's ministry. Is, is that a, a proper assumption? Absolutely. Well, why is it? that you guys believe in. So a few months ago in the area around Portland, we had major wildfires. I live outside of Portland on a mountain, and on that mountain were some of the worst wildfires in the state. And the time came when the fires were getting closer and closer to our neighborhood, and I actually got a call from my neighbor saying, I just got a level three evacuation alert on my phone can you come and help me pack up my livestock and my family and help us get out of here? And so I took my two sons and we drove out there and we were loading, you know, sheep and, and goats and chickens and getting everything and we, we got their family out of there. And it was amazing, Steve, when you are in the midst of a fire, when you see the fire coming you get absolute clarity about what's important and what you need to do. And so I would say this, our community, spiritually speaking, in Portland and in Oregon and, and really the whole United States and the world, our community is on fire. For some churches, they can see it. They can see it coming just across the ridge. For some, it's coming up the driveway. 
But for most churches, and I want to be clear here, Steve, I think most churches in America, especially those in the Pacific Northwest, their house is already on fire and burning down. And I think the leaders who are humble and wise and paying attention and submitting themselves to God in prayer, I think they realize this. They realize the dire situation that we are in, and this is no longer status quo. It's no longer business as usual. There is an urgency that I think God is putting in his people to rise up, to know the truth, to be able to defend the truth, and to be out there sharing. And I think people realize that not only Christians need to know how to act, as you said, to live a biblical lifestyle, but they need to be taught how to think. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, one of the pillars of apologetics, talks about how as Christians, we need to renew our minds. We need to change the way we think. When we are made a Christian, we are made a new creation. And so we need to apply that biblical worldview. And that biblical worldview is radical. When you really understand Christianity, it is a story, it is a worldview, it is a reality that is unlike anything else. When you bring that story of reality to a community, to a culture that is dying, that is on fire, it is radical. Yeah, you talk about the culture being on fire, and I know what that means to me, but give our listeners just a little bit of a handle. Give me a couple of examples of, if I can use, carry on the analogy, the flames that are a part of the cultural fire. What types of things are you talking about? I'll just briefly touch on three examples of how our culture is on fire. Yeah, good. Number one is critical theory. And if this is a new term for you, we did a interview with Neil Shenvey a few months ago. It's on our website. We did a Friday forum with him. It's also on our website where he did an hour and a half video talking about this. Critical theory is basically a false worldview that is absolutely opposed to Christianity that redefines who people are and what salvation is. So instead of people being ruined by sin, it says that people are ruined by oppression. Instead of people being identified as being made in the image of God, It says people are identified by their race and by their gender and by all these things that are categorizations of oppression. And in that false worldview, it has no salvation. There's no solution. All it does is you just need to destroy the people who are in power. So it's it's an insidious worldview. It's absolutely against the Bible, against God, but you find it everywhere. That's one example. And again, we could talk the entire time on just what critical theory is. Uh, I'll point you to those resources on our website. A second one is linguistic theft. And this came up in our interview with Hillary Morgan Ferrer from Mama Bear Apologetics a few weeks ago. The culture today, people are stealing the meaning of words so that Christians especially can't even have a conversation about God and use words like truth and justice and love and have them mean what they've historically meant. So the very language by which we communicate truth about God has been stolen and abused. 
the third thing I'll say is the internet, social media. So not necessarily that that's a fire in and of itself. The, the first two things I talked about are forms of evil. The internet is not a form of evil. It's a tool, but it is so powerful. And the fact that people have instant access to information, it basically means that there has been a glut of misinformation. It is so difficult to find what truth is and what are facts with all of this misinformation out there. And so you need to train people to sift through all of the lies and all the falsehoods and immediately dismiss them and recognize the truth. That's a hard thing to do, and it can take a lot of work. It takes a tremendous amount of commitment, but it can be done. Yeah, and again, that's a topic that could go on for quite a while. What do you think makes a good apologist? Well, here in the Pacific Northwest, we have a lot of great fishing. In the rivers, you've got trout, steelhead, salmon. In the ocean, you've got tuna, halibut, rockfish. And just about everybody here has some kind of fishing story that they've been a part of. Or at least they try and tell (laughs) some kind of fishing story that they wanted to be a part of. And I would say it this way. The best stories are from people who have obviously done it. Real life experiences. Now, with apologetics, of course, you need the basics. You, You need to love Jesus. You need to believe the Bible is the word of God. You need to apply it to your life, all those things. But at the end of the day... People want to know that this stuff works. And I think the best kind of apologist is somebody who is defending the faith every single day. They're in it. They're in the fight. They're talking with their kids. They're talking with their kids' friends. They're talking with their coworkers. They're talking with their families. They're talking with people on the street. Whatever interactions they have, they are engaging in the proclamation and defense of the Word of God. I would say those are the best apologists. And I would say an element of that, something that I've seen in what I consider the best apologists, are people who have inherent intellectual curiosity. They want to know the why behind the answer, not just the what. They're never satisfied with a flimsy answer, (laughs) but they want to dig deep and they want to get to the bottom of this. An example was Hillary Morgan Ferrer that I interviewed several weeks ago as part of Mama Bear Apologetics. I think I mentioned her before. She and I had a great conversation about just that element alone. She's like, I ask questions. I always have. (laughs) And she's like, I want to understand how something works. I don't want to just accept the story that's being told. I don't want to just accept the narrative. I want to understand and think about it myself. And I think our culture is moving in that direction. You know, like we talked about with the internet, there is so much misinformation out there. My daughter, Ruthie, did a talk about Gen Z at our annual conference. And one of the points she made is that Gen Z is more and more skeptical, probably the most skeptical generation ever. They're out there saying, you know what, because I've been lied to (laughs) so many times, my gut reaction, my first reaction is to distrust, to be skeptical. And now I want to go research it myself. I want to think it through and see if it makes sense 
myself. See if it's consistent. See if it's inherently contradictory. So asking the why question and then seeking the answer to that why question is is very, very important. Let's talk a minute about the Ambassadors Forum. Uh, I'm assuming that you're the mastermind behind the Ambassadors Forum. Am I assuming properly? Uh, I wouldn't say there's a mastermind. I would say there's a community. <laughs> okay. I started talking to my kids. I started talking to my kids' friends. I started talking to the youth group. I joined with a couple of other dads doing the same thing. But what really got started was when there was four or five or six of us that all kind of felt the leading from God and said, you know what, this isn't something that we're doing. This is something that's God's doing. And so it's almost like if you were called out to battle and you heard the trumpet and you started walking out there and you're saying, okay, I guess the leader of this army is calling me to battle. And you started walking out there and, you know, put this in the context of a, you know, kind of the Middle Ages or whatever, you know, you're walking across a misty field and you've got your sword and your shield by your side. And just as you crest over the meadow, you see another person coming from a neighboring town and you look over here and there's another person and you realize there's lots of people that are being called to the same battle by the same leader. And I think that's more accurate of how the ambassadors forum got started was we were all just called by god to the same thing and we looked around and saw there was other people and we sort of linked arms and started doing it together great what currently is the ambassador forum doing as the ministry there's a website there's a radio show there's friday forums there's different things describe for our listeners all of the things that the ambassador forum is now doing and perhaps it may be best to further explain who we are and yeah, then talk about what we do. Yeah, sure. So first of all, we are all professionals in an area other than apologetics. None of us have a degree in apologetics. We are all doctors and lawyers and engineers and teachers and other kinds of professionals. And we have all committed hundreds, if not thousands of hours to reading our Bible and thinking through these questions and researching on our own and reading other books and thinking about our own faith and the methods and principles of apologetics. But I would say what, what unites us is that all of us, every single one of us, as I mentioned before, is on the front lines. We're on the front lines with our kids. We're on the front lines with our kids' schools and our churches and our co-workers. And I would say every single one of us, even though none of us have a degree in apologetics, are kind of have honorary degrees <laughs> by the school of hard knocks and by lots and lots, mostly reading the Bible um, and, and thinking we, and discussing and, and kind of iron sharpening iron within our community of apologists, that's who we are. In terms of what we do, it starts with mutual discipleship in a community of committed believers. So we get together and we share what God's doing in our life and we ask each other questions and we ask questions about the questions <laughs> and we discuss. And so I would say primarily we're a discipleship community. Second, we have some events. We have some things that we do. 
we give talks. So we prepare. If God puts something on our heart, we spend the time putting together a talk that we can communicate and teach on this topic. Now, that talk may end up in a Friday forum, which we do every month. Uh, you can go to our website for the details. Uh, it might end up at a school chapel. It might end up at a sermon at a church. It might end up in a Bible study. So there's lots of different ways that the apologists are giving talks. Another thing that we do is we have, again, because of kind of how a lot of us got started, we've always had a youth focus. We love engaging with youth. We love talking about the things that they're talking about. They're still curious. They're still passionate. And many of them have not been burnt out <laughs> like a lot of uh, older Christian adults. And they're asking genuine, sincere questions. And they're willing to do the work to know the answer. Probably one of the most discouraging things is to have a Christian ask you a question and you say, hey, you know what? I don't know the answer, but let's find the answer together. Here, here's a few thoughts I have. Let's do some work. Let's read the Bible. Let's talk. And let's find the answer together. And then to have that person say, uh, nah, I just kind of wanted it the easy way out. If you don't have a prepackaged answer, I'll just you know, forget about it. Ugh, that, that, that just drains the life out of you. A lot of young people have not been burnt out. They haven't become cynical like that. They say, you know what? I want to know the answer. You start them down the road and they're like, great, I'm going to dig into this. I want to go research this myself. I want to go find out the truth. So we have a very much a youth focus. And so we get the kids involved in the ministry. They're giving talks with us. They're engaging as part of the community. We also send them to conferences. So there's a Worldview Conference here in Oregon. There's a Summit Conference that happens in Colorado. So there's lots of places for the youth to go get additional training, even outside of our group. Another thing is we, just, we have very regular Q&A sessions, whether it's with the youth group or chapel. And then, as you said, we have our annual conference, so we try and get everybody, you know, hundreds. This year we had 550 people uh, from across the whole United States, 34 states, call in to our virtual conference that we had this year with Josh McDowell. So that's a big training center. We had 24 breakout sessions so just a huge training opportunity for Christians in the area of apologetics. And then we've started this radio show, again, to kind of sharpen our own skills, but then also to try and reach more people through whatever media format we can. Well, thanks, Roy, for sharing your thoughts about this growing field of apologetics and how churches can begin to equip their members to answer the hard questions the world is asking. I know that you agree with me that it's becoming more and more critical that believers learn to give biblical answers framed, of course, by a Christian worldview to these hard questions. So let me ask you, how did it feel this week to be the interviewee rather than the interviewer? Yeah, it was cool. It's been enjoyable for me as well, and I'm sure that the listeners have benefited from what we've been talking about today. How about us doing it? Again, next Saturday at 9.30 here on True Talk 800 AM KPDQ, and we'll pick up where we left off. All right. Sounds like a good plan. Great. We'll talk to you then. Thanks, uh, To you, our listeners, Roy and I want to thank you for being a part of the show. 
We hope that you're encouraged and, and even challenged to become more effective in answering the questions that your friends, and maybe even in some cases your kids, are asking you. Uh, if that's your desire, we are here to help. There are many resources on our website, theambassadorsforum.com, one word, theambassadorsforum.com. There are already answers to many of the questions that you are being asked or will be asked. If the answer to some question is not there, send it to us, and we will do our best uh, to give you a biblical answer. There's also an archive with previous radio programs featuring interviews with some of the top apologists in the country. And while you're there, sign up for our monthly newsletter, and we'd like you to look at our Facebook page and to like us. And finally, if you've been helped and encouraged today, tell your friends about us and have them join with you in listening next week. So until next week, our prayer for you is that you will sanctify Christ as Lord in your heart and be ready to give a biblical answer based on a Christian worldview to anyone who asks you a question about the Christian faith.